Hello, everybody. Welcome to RPG Cast, episode 252 for the week of January 26, 2013. I'm your host, Chris Privetier, here with a bunch of RPG Gamers' finest. First off, Anna Marie Neufeld coming at you live from her bedroom. Woohoo! Also with us today, live from England, John Yearworth. Hi. <laughs> and uh, Alex Fuller. Snow is melting. Yay, snow melting. And then live from the other side of the world, Emmanuel Marino. Bringing you hope. You bringing us hope? And <laughs> We found out Manny does a good uh, Obama. And Chris does an amazing Hank Hill. Apparently. Not like, Mike's, not like uh, Michael Cunningham does, though. Much better from him. All right, so Mac let's get... needs to uh, send us another Hank Hill voicemail. Those he does. Great. We, everybody requests he, one on the forum. He stops sending messages after you outed him with the caller ID after you pranked us. Oh, that's right. I did. You shouldn't have outed him, man. I didn't he mean to. Pranking us. I didn't realize that was my fault. I was just trying to figure out where they're coming from. I didn't know it was going to oh, be him. Man. I didn't know, people. I didn't know. All right. So let's see. We got some feedback. But first, because <laughs> every week I do this, let's talk about what we've been playing. Um, what the heck have I played this week, Anna? I played more of what I played last week. More Tales of Graces and more Book of Heroes and more Puzzle and Dragon. And, and more... now I play Book of Heroes. Now you play Book of Heroes. So let's just get into what you've been playing this week. Um, everything that both you and I combined have been talking about for the past two weeks. Okay. It's like Puzzle and Dragon, Book of Heroes, um, Flow Free. Did we talk about Middle Management? No, we did not talk about Middle Manager of So Justice. we've been playing... Um, what is it? Middle um, Manager of Justice, I think. Yes. So this is a game that's done by Double Fine for the phone. And you are a middle manager of a small just you are a manager of a small justice league. And so it's it's kind of a time management slash um resource management. And it sounds like it should be mega dorky, but it actually ends up being kind of fun in a really stupid way. And, and it's already that? got you trying to spend money on it. Yeah. They are very, very evil in that they leave you one payment currency short of buying the next pack up. So the next pack of Heroes Up is 20, and they leave you with 19. And then the next pack above that is... 30 and they leave you at 29. It's very irritating. That is pretty irritating. Um, beyond that, um, played some well and played Let's Get This Wedding Together Before I Leave on Thursday. Which we're making good progress in. And we got a cake appointment we got to go to. That's why we're not wasting much time on the show today. Manny, what have you been playing? I have been playing much, but I did do something interesting yesterday. What'd you do? You haven't been following... You never follow my Twitter. No. <laughs> For those of us that don't follow your Twitter, why don't you tell us... No, no, no. I was just joking. Um, no, I... Um, there was a local event. Uh, it was like a Planet Side 2 Ultimate Showdown. Okay. So I just headed down there and talked to some people, talked to some of the creative team about what they're doing, what they're planning for Planet Side 2. They're sort of doing this like roadmap thing where they're going to involve the community more in their decisions. They're going to have like a voting system and whatever is like the highest ranked in the community, the stuff they're going to implement first or new ideas, that kind of stuff. And they just uh, announced they got an MLG, right? Oh, yeah. The MLG guy was there. 
they were talking about this. It was sort of like it was like a fun exhibition match, and they, they had like the, the leader of each faction was a famous YouTuber, like a Total Biscuit. Oh, I like Total Biscuit. Yeah, he was there. I have a little interview with him that I'm going to post in uh, the new column I'm planning to launch next week. So you can read all about my chat with the Planetside 2 dev team and Total Biscuit on uh, next week. And it's interesting. That guy doesn't break character for anything. He was all Terran Republic. <laughs> you know, we are the best. We are the Republic. He even does like little things. He's a very intense individual. Um, you want intense at some point because he had like a. It was like the you know they had like the best players in each faction led by this little uh, led by their uh, by their team captain. So Total Biscuits team had like maybe like twelve guys, and he said, "What is your role?" And they and all everyone on his team was like yelled at the same time, "War, war, war!" <laughs> and it was sort of like this intense thing where they lots of theatrics. I don't think they won, but it was still pretty interesting. Um, yeah, it was fun. It was an interesting time. Hung out with some some big wigs like Michael McWhorter from Polygon and Ben Kachera, all that kind of <laughs> big wigs in an interesting in, in our of the tiny term. little industry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm basically mostly holding off on Planet Side Two because I know they're releasing a a really big patch for it in about a week's time. Oh yeah, but and then, bunch, it, I was hearing someone complaining it, so. about trying to get on Planet Side Two and just getting like destroyed every time they get into the game, and it's like really hard for newcomers to get into it. It sounds well. Like. You just gotta roll with some people for a little bit until you get your until you get your legs. Oh, okay. well, that's the re- that's the reason why when the game like when you first create your character, it basically it does dump you in an active war zone, but it also automatically puts you in a squad as well. And you know because that map is so gigantic and there's so much going on, you could easily just jump to a less contested area. Sort of if you want to go alone for a little bit. But the interesting thing about the event though is like most like most press events or like like community events where they have fans, you always get a better view at home if you're watching the live stream. <laughs> so I didn't really get to see much of anything from my angle, but I got some good information I'm hoping to get out. And I think it's a good fit for the for the new format for the new column that I'm doing. Cool. I love it. Alright. Um I guess that's about about it. And yeah, all right, John. What have you been playing this week? Uh, so, oh, well, I've got three on my one. Um, <clears throat> obviously, more giant robots. Um, uh, there probably isn't going to be a time when there isn't giant robots. I know, There's, but there should always be giant robots. I yeah. think that's a good. Uh, thing. Well, however, I have managed to now actually get a significant way through the game. I hit uh, stage sixty of sixty-one yesterday. Um, I thought I got a little stuck on one of an earlier boss, but I'd forgotten that, um, like most, most, uh, most of the bosses towards the end of the game have, um, resistance to, it is actually possible to use status effects. There are weapons that cause status effects in, uh, this game. Um, and I've forgotten that, uh, there is an ability that some pilots have that allows, uh, their status effects to bypass, um, blocks like the ones that bosses have, which made the boss that I thought I was stuck on a lot easier when I used a level three armor down on him and then just I downed him in a single turn. So, yeah, getting getting pretty close to the end, but I, I'm I'm kind of setting up for a, for a second playthrough because I know I haven't got the um, the the kind of the, the, the secret ending, as it were. Um, you need to get... Uh, I think it's 42 out of the 60 uh, sorry 42 out of the 59 optional objectives by the time you hit stage 59 which i haven't done so normal ending for me mm. 
it's not quite as restrictive as uh, a couple of the other games in the series. Um, there was uh, one that I did a run recently, uh, Super Robot Wars Alpha 3 on the PS2, uh, that requires you to get... Uh, the game has 60 stages, and in order to get to the uh, good ending rather than the normal ending, you need to fulfill the optional objectives in 57 of 59 and get to stage 59 in less than 420 turns overall. That's restrictive. This this is actually fairly generous. Hmm. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it'd see any of my other stuff about this game. It's very, very good, particularly if you've been following my Twitter, because I've just randomly been posting screenshots from it. Um, so, yeah, the other stuff, um, the uh, Strike Suit Zero, which was one of the games I kick-started, finally came out last uh, on Friday, actually. Um, Strike Suit Zero is basically a kind of callback to um, kind of like 90s um, like space sims like uh, Free Space. Oh, a little bit with a lot of like uh, influence from like great yeah, stuff, with, but, like Colony Wars and uh... yeah, with um, with basically some ref- with some reference to um, like Japanese robot. Yeah, like uh, like half robot. Colony Wars, half like a little bit of Robotech with those mi- missile trails. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the, the fighter that you get at the, uh, during, I think, oh, it's actually at the end of the third mission of 13, is, a, is basically a transforming fighter. <laughs> and it's funny, uh, every time it transforms, the, the, the Japanese sort of, like, Japanese track sort of kicks in. Well, this- funnily enough, actually, I was going to mention the music, because the music for Strike Suit Zero, they got the guy who did the music for the original Homeworld in, and the music is incredible. Mm. It's like really, really good. And the mech designer they got in, I think, was the guy who did um, uh, the designs for Appleseed. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, uh, that very quintessential Japanese cyberpunk. Now, speaking of Homeworld, didn't I see news this week that someone was trying to raise money to buy Homeworld from THQ? Uh, possibly, but we'll get to that later because of the whole sale thing. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the last game I played... Um, Basically, uh, David um, downloaded um, Path of Exile, which is a uh, free-to-play sort of knockoff of Diablo 2. I funded that. that. Uh, was it was it kickstarted? Or? No, they they ran their own fan, crowdfunding they, campaign on their. I'm pretty sure they did. No, they didn't. They did it on their own website. Well, they're yeah, not in the U.S. No, I've checked Kickstarter, and it's not they're, on Kickstarter. They're from New Zealand, so. Ah, oh, then who kickstarted was it the similar Diablo game? I don't remember. Anna would know. She, I. We saw these guys at um, PAX, and yeah, we, yeah. I've been filing Path of Exile for a while. I've got my. Uh, I've been waiting for the game to come out so I get all my rewards. It actually is out yeah. now. Um, the game is currently in open beta, so it is. Po- and apparently, they're uh, not. Well, doing- yeah, I've been able to play it for forever. I meant I'm waiting for them to finish. <laughs> oh, I was thinking of Grindon. That's what I was from thinking they, of. Uh, from what I understand, they're not doing any uh, like character erasing. Oh, they did, they had the final character wipe, huh? Wipe, huh? Yeah. All right. So now that it's in open beta, there's going to be no further character erasing. The game is basically just going to then transition from open beta to release sometime fairly soon. But it's, um, I ordinarily probably would have given it a miss, but I always found that loot 'em up games, and that applies to things like Diablo, Torchlight, and also things like Borderlands, uh, are obviously more fun when you've got somebody else you can de- de- uh, definitely play with. Um, so when David downloaded it, I also downloaded it as well, and we played together yesterday. Uh, we haven't actually gotten that far in, but it's very. It coming coming from say recently playing Diablo three. It, it obviously there's quite a lot of different. I mean the, the the kind of the same basic you know 
mechanics. It there. felt more Run, like Run. Diablo 2 when I was playing it. Yeah, because um, there's no... One of the best parts is there's no gold. Um, they're still not doing gold, huh? Okay. Yeah. Basically, everything... No, is they're now, not doing gold at all. That's one of the yeah, things that's setting it apart. There's literally no... There's, the economy is based around... Um, basically, you can... When you sell equipment to the various NPC vendors, instead you get um, uh, fragments of like upgrade items, like ones that turn like just regular crap you'd normally just turn uh, sell, uh, return to a vendor into actual magical items with, you know, stats on. And other items that re-roll the, magic, the stats on a magical item and stuff like that. And then, so when you trade them in, you get like fragments of these items, which also just drop normally as well in, you know, when you beat stuff up. Um, and uh, yeah, you pick up like 20 of these fragments and it turns into a uh, you know, a full orb of transmutation or whatever. Okay. I, I do have two questions for you, Quinn, real quick. Go on. So you never did mention, are, are you enjoying Strike Suit Zero? Yes, I am. I haven't gone very right. far. Oh, and uh, if you don't mind me asking, uh, what level did you kickstart at? And did you redeem it on Steam or did you get the DM-free GOG version? Uh, I redeemed it on Steam and I kickstarted it at the uh, Marauder level, I think it was. So like, did you get any special stuff with that? Hang on, let me check. Um, it was quite a while when I kickstarted it because it it hit its funding goal on November seventeenth last year. Uh, yeah, um, I get a digital copy of the art book. I've got the entire soundtrack, which is both of those provided by Steam. Um, and the uh, there were they also advertised a Kickstarter exclusive version of the Strike Suit, the fighter. Uh, but they look much cooler. Well, no, the thing is, is when they approached release date, they realized they wouldn't actually have just, just that as a piece of DLC ready uh, before the release date of the game itself. So that's being released in, like, two weeks or something, which is not, not a huge problem. All right. So you actually – I always wonder because I, I, I haven't met – I don't know anyone who's gotten their rewards quite yet from Kickstarter. I wonder if you were just satisfied with what you got. Oh, no, I'm, I think I'm fairly satisfied. This, obviously, the soundtrack is really good, so I'm quite glad I got a oh. copy of that. Is, is it a lengthy soundtrack, like like a five-sample kind of thing? Five-sample? You know, I like think. sometimes you say you get a soundtrack and there's like five tracks on it. Oh, no, call, no like, uh, this is apparently the full soundtrack, including the game's right, awesome. theme. Um, I, I can see how many... Uh, hang on, official soundtrack. It is the entire album in both MPC and FLAC. Ah, oh, nice. You know, I, I really do want to play this one, but um, thankfully it's, it's coming 20, to Mac 20, and Linux soon. I say it's 26 tracks. Oh, right, pretty good. It's coming to Mac and Linux soon. I'm excited. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it, I, I'm enjoying myself anyway. So Awesome. But I, I've got on my Kickstarter rewards before because I also kickstarted FTL. Oh, all right. Um, and I'm still waiting. There are four other games I think I have outstanding Kickstarters for that I'm still waiting on things. But I think a couple of those are going to take a long time. And one of which we'll be covering because there's a question about it somewhere down in feedback. Oh, did you um, did you mean have people gotten any Kickstarter rewards, Manny? No, I haven't known anyone personally who's gotten their Kickstarter rewards. And like wondering if they were satisfied with what they got. I really love what I got. Oh, what did I, you kickstart? Um, I kickstarted um, Cthulhu Saves the World. And um, the the iOS port, oh, okay. for Breath of Death and Cthulhu, or for, no, the PC port, I should say. And yeah, I love mine. I got like an autographed poster that says "Pause, thanks for driving us insane." <laughs> that's quite, that's, you know, that's quite personalized. <laughs> well, it's 
pause in Cthulhu Saves the World has an ability. Uh, no, I know. To... It's just funny because I think you got a special Kickstarter bonus that most people don't get. Like, <laughs> hey, <laughs> 20 bucks. <laughs> I was going to say, the, um, yeah, so, uh, sorry, just returning to Path of Exile a sec. Uh, anyone who likes um, like Diablo, Diablo 2, but didn't like where Diablo 3 went would probably enjoy this a lot. Uh, the game, as far as I know, is free, and the developers are basically putting up a we believe in ethical microtransactions, so there's no pay-to-win going on. Yeah, I've been looking through their microtransaction store this morning. And, but, yep. I mean, because uh, there, there are also two interesting mechanics. One of them, I think, was originally a proposed mechanic for Diablo 3, which is the skill gem system, where basically you pick up gems that you then socket into your weapons and armor and whatnot, and that's what gives you your abilities. Yes. Um, the other one is the... Uh, the massive passive skill tree system, where you, you click, you click the, you click to open this passive skill tree thing when you get your first point, and it's like something like six times the size of Final Fantasy X's Sphere Grid, which is what it looks like. Mm-hmm. You have like a, if you can get like a screenshot of it, it's just ridiculous. Um, and you, your character class defines where you start on there. Um, there are six character classes defined by three primary statistics, so it's sort of three directly related to one statistic and three hybrids. Um, and it, it's, it's pretty fun so far. I, I, I don't know. It's kind of... Um, I've generally not enjoyed like Diablo clones much since the original Diablo. I, I actually skipped Diablo too. Um, but the fact that I definitely have someone to play it with has probably um, I, uh, improved the experience, I'd say. Mm-hmm. I gotta find I'm someone just, to play this with. I'm just seeing there's a uh, there's like oh right you. Go ahead. Go on. <laughs> no, go ahead. <laughs> I was just seeing if I could find a screenshot of the passive skill gr- the passive uh, skill tree. Yeah, it's like a screen. There's got to be like a screenshot of it. Because I think it's I think they've changed it like since some of the yeah I've I've uh, got a I've got one up on the page now it is yeah it's, it's huge daunting <laughs> it's like the the sphere grid in ten times twenty I'll post it in chat yeah <laughs> it is just impressive <laughs> oh I love it let's see okay. Alex, what have you been playing? I'm pretty much playing the same thing I was last month. I don't remember what it's that just, was at this uh, point. Persona 4 Golden and Xenoblade. Oh, those are good things to play. Yeah. It's not a bad month of <laughs> gaming. But I'm actually pretty close to the end in both of those now. And I think my objective this weekend is to finish off Persona 4 Golden because I basically just have the secret dungeon at the end to complete, which I won't talk about more because massive spoilers. Right. But I'm really close to the end in that one. Now, is that an addition to the Vita version? Yeah, this is all new stuff. Uh, the stuff I'm in now because it sort of takes place in the sort of bit that was skipped. It was skipped. In the PS2 version, you sort of had a bit of time skip after oh, that's right. everything was done. So that's how they're doing it. Okay. Yeah, so that's sort of basically. Anna the end still of that. hasn't like done that. Oh, it's not complete. I don't know then. what you know. She has. She's not fully really complete. <laughs> I don't know what she's waiting for. She's and she thinks she's talking, but she's not talking. I think. 
No, I gave a shrug. I'll probably do it when I go. Well, <laughs> like we can to, hear your shrugs. <laughs> uh, I was about to say I'll I'll play it when I go back to Vancouver, but no, I won't. It's on my Vita. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, so, yeah. So hopefully finish that this weekend, and then I can sort of go back to concentrating on finishing Xenoblade, which I think I've still got about twenty hours left in. Yeah, man, hurry up, man. The next one's gonna be out soon. You got like two years to go. Let's go. I know. It's, this is only my, this is my second playthrough. He's already done it once. Oh, okay. <laughs> but sort of outside that, I've been interspersing my gaming by playing NHL 12. <laughs> Just because I started watching ice hockey here as well. <laughs> Let's go, Kings! LA Kings! Let's go, go, go! Sorry. My favorite part of the yeah. hockey season this year is that um, NHL ticket that the way that they're advertising it is lowest price in years. It's like, um, yeah, it's because you have like a fifth of the games. <laughs> Wait, is, does, is, are there any like professional ice hockey teams in England? Yeah, we've got, yeah? I think okay. we've got a local one that plays in the English Premier, which is I think the second level here. Mm. So is it pretty big there? Because I never think of, when I think of, when I think uh, of your country, I never think ice hockey. No, no, not really. I think you, you'll probably, you maybe get a couple of thousand Going to the games. All right. I think there's, enough there's, to keep it going. Though. Yeah, it's yeah enough to sort of pay players, sort of to play professionally, but n- but nothing sort of huge or anything. I think we've actually got the Olympic qualifiers next month. Well, I think wow, we've got we've got a chance. Oh yeah, because we've got we think we're ranked like twenty one. So we've got yeah. a very long shot of getting in. It's true. It, it's always there's always seems like if you're an athlete, there's always an Olympic thing going on. Like every two years, you're always training. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, quick question for Chris. Yes. I remember you were interested in the Hyrule Historian. I know they had like a big launch event at the Nintendo World Store. I was interested in it, but ultimately decided I wasn't going to buy it. Okay. So, all right. Then I answers that question. I was wondering what you thought of if you or if you it was even out yet for normal guns. Um, normal... People are getting them now, so they're out. Um, okay. But yeah, I I did not order one. Anna was ambivalent on it, and she's kind of the bigger Zelda fan, so yeah. Cool. Okay. Uh, yeah. But now you'll never know the timeline of where Ocarina of Time fits next to Wind Waker. It's just Speaking confusing. of Wind Waker, why don't we jump into news? <laughs> uh, don't we no, have feedback? We do have feedback. <laughs> Damn it! Oh. Nice try. Maybe next time. You should recharge your segue. I ran out of juice. <laughs> okay, let's talk about our feedback. Why don't we? Let's see. Get it up here. Sorry, I had it on the other machine. So, let's see. Greetings from the UK. Hope the festive season was kind to all. In 2013, CJUL wanted to chat some shmup news with Chris. Oh, that's me. All right, I'll talk about that. Um, Let's see. What did he say? A couple of indie devs have titles out for the Dreamcast and Xbox this coming year. Probably better if I just tweeted you about this instead. I did wonder upon the news Elite is returning just a few days before its Kickstarter ended. Penny, for your thoughts, what's Elite? Anybody heard of Elite before? Elite, it, Elite would be the space trading game. You know, the oh. very famous one. No, I've never it's heard one. Of, it. It's one of the aforementioned four Kickstarters that I still have outstanding. Okay. Well, it's um, back. 
apparently. Well, yeah, uh, basically, um, Elite was first released in, like, 1988, and I think it led on the BBC Micro, but was also ported to PC in, I think, the early 90s. And it kind of set the original standard for um, uh, space trading sims. You know, what, what was eventually built on by games like uh, the X-Series and Freelancer and stuff like that. Hmm. Um, and basically, uh, there were three, three games released during the early 90s. Elite 2 and Elite First Encounters. Uh, now, I'm trying to remember which, which way around it goes, but one of those was released early and the other one was a buggy mess. Or both of them were buggy messes. Something like that. Um, and so Elite 4, I think, has been stuck in kind of development hell for the best part of, like, 15 years or something. And then finally, um, David Braben, the original creator, finally managed to sort of pick the pieces up and then get a Kickstarter together, which did manage to meet its funding target because they did ask for quite a lot, hmm. which was uh, 1.2 million pounds. And it then got 1.5, so it only just... So they're yeah. done. They got it. All right. Yeah, they're so, done. They got it. Well, I think uh, you got more from John on that one. I don't. I didn't even know about it or care about it. So, <laughs> well, it, basically, I think because of the uh, they they actually managed to get news coverage from the BBC Ooh. at one point. So, I, I saw the Kickstarter appear on the BBC a couple of times. Yeah, it did so, actually hear that. <laughs> so it kind of got uh, it got it got quite a bit of exposure actually. So. All right, let's see. And then he says, P.S. Ask Miss Marino if the Mass Effect comic collection is worth a pre-order. It appears to be the completed work so far as a hardcover edition. Wait, Miss Marino? Mr. Yeah, Marino. Rundren. Jeez. You, not only are you... Honey, come in here for a minute. <laughs> Miss Marino. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah, so he also says, I recently bought the Mass Effect trilogy as a PS3 series new, but I'm currently enjoying the prequel novel. Are the comics worth a look? You know, it's interesting that you bring this up, because like I mentioned, that that still secretive column, which is going to premiere next week. Yeah. Uh, this is one of the stories that I was going to talk about. Um, I haven't read them myself personally. I do know a little bit about them. I was going to do some more research so I can talk about it and a little bit with a little bit more authority. But I can say that since you're enjoying the prequel novel, there's a good chance you're going to enjoy at least a few of the first comics. Like, um... Like the novels, the the prequel novels sort of trail off after a bit, and they become less and less relevant yep. to the Mass Effect series. But like the, but the first one and maybe the second one are definitely worth a read because yes. there's a lot of things that are alluded to in Mass Effect, like sort of like Anderson's relationship with Saren, Anderson's history, like mm-hmm. why he's has this position in the Council and in the Alliance, and he's so I mean uh, on the Citadel and why he's so important. And as you're reading the novel, you know why he's important, and you sort of get that. The and in third the same one respect, is like terrible, right? Oh yeah, it's garbage. Yeah. Like they get progressively worse after they, you know, after a certain point, they just try to feel like, all right, this one takes place one between before one. This one takes place between two and three. This one takes place after two, you know, and then this one, but before this novel, but then this one takes place in between this little period when he was walking down the street. <laughs> you know, they try to fill in so many in. Okay, this one takes place after, but like maybe twenty minutes after, but while this thing was still going. <laughs> So, you know, after a certain while, you can just kind of ignore them. But, like, at least the first two novels are worth a read. And similarly, the comics, I know the first one, the one that takes, the one that stars Liara, was, um, if you care about the kind of side story, and I'm guessing you do because you're reading the prequel novel, um, do you remember the later the Shadow Broker mission? I'm not going to spoil too much about it, but you know when you're, you're basically going to go rescue somebody, right? Right. That guy you're going to go rescue, you, you know 
his relationship with Liara in that prequel novel. I mean, that prequel comic, and you know, basically what she and he, and that character going to go rescue had to do to go rescue another character. I'm dancing around it because you know it seems like this guy's new to it all, but right. it's sort of a lot of the stuff that's alluded to around the later the Shadow Broker and Liara is all sort of laid out in that comic. So if you care about that, it's worth a read for that much for that respect. Um, I think the most recent, the most recent recent comics suffer from the same thing as like the the third and fourth Mass Effect novels. You know, they're just trying to like fill in gaps and sort of continue the series. But if you, but then again, it's a hardcover collection. If you can get the whole collection on the cheap, you might as well just read them all and get as much Mass Effect fiction and lore. And it's probably going to be better than the ending. So, <laughs> I uh, yeah, I have read all the comics actually. You have. I have. Um, all right. So was I wrong in my assessment? Uh, no, I think that I would say I enjoyed all of them. Um, okay. Especially the ones that focus on the the Omega chick Arya, and yes. uh, the the one that focuses on the. Uh, what's his name? The illusionary man. Okay, that's I'm saying it wrong. The, the, illus- elusive, the elusive man. The elusive man. Thank you. Um, those two, I think, were the best. So and the Liara one, but the Liara one, I feel no, like not had the, the Alar- not the Liara one, the Aria one. Okay, Aria is the the person who runs uh, Omega. But those seem a lot more tangential to the actual game, right? Yeah, and that's why they're interesting. Okay, but if you actually because- care about filling in the gaps, then the, the Liara one's probably the best. Um, yeah, I mean, it does set them some things up and they do reference it in the game. So, um, it is at least tangentially. So it is, it is, it's useful. I guess it depends yeah. what you come for, for like, uh, this kind of expanded fiction. I usually, I, I come to it usually to fill in gaps more than just, you know, to still sort of live in the universe. Well, let me put it, it was better than much of the storytelling of Mass Effect 3. Okay. All of the comics were, especially the ending. So there you go. So you would recommend. See, I should have just asked you. you so you would totally recommend. I have to say, cover. I just realized I have not read Homeworlds. This is a new one. I didn't know it came out. Yeah, this is what I was talking about. The more, uh, the more obscure ones. Homeworlds, I haven't read. The other three, I have. Okay. So, yeah, because they've they've been out for a while. So cool. Yeah, uh, where stuff. do you read them? Like, did you just? Get oh, digital I, ver- I got them digitally on my iPad. Uh, Comicsology. Yeah. You or, know or Dark is- Horse. I forget which app, but yeah. I was, it might get. I was. Uh, it might be cheaper to to our, you know, the, uh, the person sent us this question. It might be cheaper to get them digitally than just unless if you don't need the physical book. Yeah, you should check save on a lot that. of money. Yeah, because the hardcover collection is like sixty dollars or more. Are you checking? Yeah, sorry, it's doing some stupid stuff on my iPad. It made me re-log into. Okay, so yeah, we got Invasion, which is the Liara. No, yeah. that's the. No, is that the other? That's the. This is so stupid. Hold on. This thing is doing dumb things. Da 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 da. Um. You okay now? You okay now? It's logging into everything I have, and now it's restoring purchases. How delightful. Okay, Homeworld seems like, yeah, it's like a little anthology series. Each issue tackles a different character during the invasion of Earth. All right, so we have Invasion, we have Evolution. So Invasion is the RA one. I like that one a lot. Um, Evolution's the Elusive Man one. I like that one. And then the third one is Redemption. That's kind of the, that's the Liara one that kind of traces what happens between um, the beginning of two and the beginning of two. (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that one, it, it's fine. It's just not as important. So, yeah. Uh, the, but the Aria one especially makes me care a lot about the um, Omega Focus DLC in Mass Effect 3. So... Okay, okay, okay. So I I've, I feel it accomplished its goals since it actually made me care about a piece of DLC. So it's weird. So the the novels are just the, the gaps between the games and then the comics are the gaps between the DLCs. Well, no, the in in the case of the Aria Focus comment invasion, um it actually tells you why you don't get to go to Omega in Mass Effect 3 for most of the mm. game. They and then they never tell you why that is. You know, you just know that she's not on All our right. station. Well, they tell you why. So Okay. Okay, okay. Oh, oh, look thanks. at this one. That, did you read this one? Blasto, Eternity is Forever. A single issue comic featuring Blasto, a fictional Hanar Spectre. <gasps> You're kidding me. Yep. Blasto has... Ooh. A comic. Ooh. Where do I get that? I love that. That was like my favorite thing walking around on... Uh, what was that? I can't remember the whole world name. Uh, it was on the Citadel. Okay. The Blasto stuff was on the Citadel, so... Okay, sorry. I need to find. Here we go. Let me just read you the intro of this. After handedly defeating a group of Batarian mercenaries bent on galactic domination, Blasto returns to the Citadel for his next mission. That's great. (laughs) Um, where is that? I don't know where to find that. Okay, I'll work on that later. So let's uh, let's move on to the next level. Exclusively through Dark Horse Digital on November seventh, twenty twelve. And yet I'm searching in there and I can't find it. Oh, I'm on. Oh, all right, all right, all right. Shoot, all right. We should go on to the next letter. Yes, yes, we enough, should. Enough Mass Effect comments. Hi, I just started listening to RP Gamer as I found the website to be a good source of news, and I'm having enough podcasts. I started listening to a lot of the past episodes for some entertainment, and there's certain things that confuse me. I'm a veteran to playing role-playing games, mostly Final Fantasy, Persona being my newest obsession, but a newbie to the actual community, news, and lingo. What I have trouble understanding is what defines a role-playing game. Well, don't worry. We all have trouble understanding. Ooh, the forbidden question. Yeah. I always thought (laughs) role-playing meant turn-based, simple as that. But after listening to podcasts from this website and reading reviews, there are actually a lot of people that hate turn-based. I understood when playing Oblivion that not RPGs had to be turn-based, but how is Fallout a role-playing game? And Mass Effect. I really wish I could explore the role-playing world more, but I just don't have the hand-eye coordination for shooters. I always fail miserably. I guess I'll just buy a copy of Tales of Graces F for my new PS3, which I bought for the sole purpose of playing some JRPGs because they didn't seem to be much of a selection on the 360. All right, well, let's deal with this question first. Well, really quickly, I will say this. Not all role-playing games have to include role, actual role-playing. <laughs> right. That's, that's true, but it that's still makes for thing. a confusing situation. Well, it, it is pretty much the most ill-defined genre in gaming. Well, you could also make the argument that a lot of JRPGs, like maybe like the more cinematic ones, you're not even playing a role. It's more like you're... They're more like leveling games that you can get to the next cinematic sometimes. It's so wishy-washy-wonky. Well, you know, I would say at its purest form, a game like Fallout 3 is an RPG. You create a character, you create his background, and you create a story around your actions and your decisions. You grow as a you grow as you grow as a character in the world. You get stronger. You get you gain new abilities. You gain new alliances. You gain new friends. You know, it's the very definition of a role. You're playing a role in this world, and you're grow. And then there's like, I guess the most defining feature of any role-playing game that that we at the site look at is uh, character growth in some sort, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think that's probably what I'd agree with. Yeah, you. usually experience points is what sets it up for us. <laughs> yeah, but some form of character growth. Like, we may be a little bit flexible at times, like, what that character growth is with, like, maybe uh, an Okami or Legend of Zelda. 
but as long as you grow somehow as a character over the course of this game, making you feel like you're actually fulfilling a role, as opposed to maybe playing like a character action game like Dante, where, well, I guess he, it, it gets hard because even something like Call of Duty, uh, multiplayer mode, <laughs> you're playing a role and you're leveling up with direct experience points. You're getting unlocking new abilities and you're doing. Yeah, the, it's, it's, the, lines, the lines get blurrier every year. It does. I mean, I was at first we didn't cover stuff like uh, like Yakuza, but then I, I I sort of told I sort of lobbied a little bit, like you know, this is a traditional JRPG, just in very different clothing. There are random battles, you gain new abilities. Uh, you know, it's basically an action RPG, but. I mean, it's not apparent until you actually spend some time with it and you have that experience playing a lot of other JRPGs. Hmm. It's weird. So I I read a little editorial this week talking about how RPGs would do better um, to expose their numbers more. Mm. It'll help them feel more like RPGs because when they hide the numbers, it doesn't feel like it's a dice roll and therefore it doesn't feel like you're working in a rule system, which is what we're kind of used to with RPGs coming out of things like Dungeons and Dragons and all that. So I'm wondering about that. If that, if there's anything to that, uh, I I could think of some more subtle experiences mm-hmm. that still work. Like, um, hmm. <sighs> no, <laughs> <laughs> I, I I've been thinking about it. It's like you know, really, the ones I enjoy more tend to show numbers on the screen, and I, I tend to feel more like my actions matter more because I get to see the math. I get to see the numbers. Well, I feel like maybe like a Skyrim. I never see a number popping up over. Like the last time you saw numbers popping over someone's head in an Elder Scrolls game was a Morrowind, right? Yeah. And I, 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 Oblivion was like one of the deepest role playing games I played at the time because it was I was I got lost. Yeah, but in the world. we all complain about the combat, and maybe that would help the combat by seeing a number. I don't know, or just a, seeing the bar more clearly or something. I don't know. Well, I, you know, the thing is, I didn't need to see a number because I felt stronger over okay. time. Got a better sword. I felt stronger. Okay. Okay, there you go. Numbers yeah. didn't even pop out of people in Morrowind. No. Okay. You know, I felt like it did because it, I know they were direct like dice rolls in that one. You could miss frequently because. Yeah. You weren't doing that. Anyone else have a comment? This really is like the question that pops up every now and then, and we. I think the way we handle it is we take it on a game by game basis. Unless like if it's an unless it's an obvious RPG, someone can make a case for say Far Cry Three. Or you can make a case for like XCOM or something like that. Yeah, I, I think I made a successful case for XCOM at one point. Yeah, it was on our voting, wasn't it? Hmm. Really? That's a strategy game, though. Well, the character system and all that. Hmm. Yeah, I, I made basically. I think it was me who made a successful case to to Mac. Okay. Uh, uh, that it actually resembled a ta- uh, a tactical RPG enough for us to cover it. Hmm. Well, it kind of does. You have your characters, and they grow, and they level up over time. It's sort of like Fire Emblem, but with less story. Yeah. They have permadeath. You're building up a base. It, it really is like a Fire Emblem with with base building. Yep. See, the lines are blurry. I'm sorry. Thank you, Tomika, for your letter. Oh, they also asked for some uh, PS3 recommendations. They've only played Eternal Sonata on it. And a whole bunch of classics like Persona 3, Final Fantasy 6 through 9. And uh, and so looking for more PS3 recommendations. I would think Tales of Graces F is a good recommendation. Um, uh, you got Valkyria Chronicles. Ooh, yeah. Valkyria Chronicles. Go get that now. 
How is that an RPG? <laughs> uh, good stuff. Uh, let's see. What are some other big ones? Near might be a good one to look into. For yeah. PS3? Yeah. Mm. What? You don't like no, that No, version? no, no. You're right. You can pick that up on the cheap. I was just thinking, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I don't know. If one, if I, ones I've played, I think, the Atelier series... Possibly. Yeah, maybe Although the Atelier series, since you yeah, like traditional that, that's, games. Uh, yeah, that's definitely a sort of maybe on that yeah, one. Yeah, you might want to rent that. <laughs> you also got uh, Art and Elico as well, I think might be one. Yeah, you want to rent Again, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Sample it first. Um, does, does he just want exclusives? Demon Souls or? and Dark Souls might be worth looking into if you like hard games. Do they just want exclusives? or 3D Dog Game Hero. 3D Dot Game Hero, nice, yeah. Which is which is even on the literal question, even feels less representative. Or we still got that. Yeah, that's one. more like a Zelda game, which it's, it's we cover weird. we cover begrudgedly. <laughs> oh, chat suggests Nino Kuni. Nino Kuni, that just came out. There you go, <laughs> Nino Kuni and Dragon's Dogma. So, there's some good suggestions yeah, for you. I know that was out on 360 as well, wasn't it, Dragon's Dogma? Yeah. Although they had, I think they had amusingly different I'm graphical. Th- they had amusingly different graphical issues, and the 360 had massive screen tearing, while the PS3 had some slowdown. I'm going to recommend waiting on Dragon's Dogma for reasons you'll hear about later. And whoever's eating something, we can hear that, <laughs> or opening a package. <laughs> no one wants to admit to it. <laughs> All right, this is, this is what I get to deal with, listeners. They won't they won't own up to the noises they make. All right. Long-time listener, first-time commenter writes, Recently I had my order for Nino Kuni Super Ultra Mega Deluxe Edition cancelled and was able to find who I want that and was unable to find who I needed to contact from the website to correct their error. The most help I received was from your host on Twitter. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. I had a very frustrating experience this week dealing with the Nino Kuni Super Ultra Mega Deluxe Edition order cancellations. Ah, but we'll get into that later. Now onto the questions. How do you pronounce Atelier? Is it ear or eye? Personally, I say I or A. I don't know what they're trying to say. So I'll just say Atelier. That's that's how we're supposed to pronounce yeah, it. Yeah, I think that's right because it's a French to, word anyway. Yeah, I used to say Atelier, but that's not right. So yeah, that's definitely not right. Yeah, <laughs> it's, <laughs> a, it's a French it's a French word, so the R should be sort of silent. Yes. And since I've already written, there's something I'd like to weigh in on. I'm per- replaying Persona 4 in the Vita, and I'm remembering some controversy in the blogs about the treatment of Kanji's sexuality by Atlas, especially the not definitively saying what his sexual orientation is. Now, as a gay man myself, I find the treatment to be very sensitive. I still find myself responding as a straight man, even among friends of mine, most of whom have known me for years. It's rare that a video game reaches out and speaks directly to my experiences, fears, and anxieties from my teenage years. As someone who doesn't fit the mo- mold of a stereotypical gay male, I would find it even weirder if he just started chasing guys after he came to terms with part of himself, compared to, as an example, the Shadowheart series. This is real progress. Sorry to rant. Keep up the good works, as you folks are one of the things that get me through the work week. Nice. Good good letter there. Uh, let's see. Ooh, so- uh, Ocelot writes in and says, Yo, dudes! Number one. Looks like early access to The Last of Us will be an extra special perk of getting the new God of War game, Ascension. Anyone interested? Uh, which in which one, God of War or Last of Us? Uh, either. Uh, God of War, no. no. But Last of Us, eventually. Um, I'm not interested in a shooed-in God of War game, and I'm definitely not interested in Last of Us. So, nothing here. 
So no one okay. else has an opinion. No one else has an opinion. All right, number two, Shin Megami Tensei X Fire Emblem has just been announced, and it's being code of. Yay! He's spoiling the news, and it's being co-developed by Atlas and Nintendo. Who's excited? Who's just confused about how it's going to work? <laughs> yes and yes. <laughs> it's a permadeath tactical RPG with the main heroes and demons of SMT versus Fire Emblem people? I guess. I don't know what's going to happen. I, I, I could see a Persona crossover, but not a, not a... I don't even know. Wait, wait, wait. We're thinking of it the wrong way. Instead of recruiting demons, you recruit characters from Fire Emblem to fight on your team. Maybe it's just Fire Emblem in structure, and it's a tactical RPG taking place in a high school that's got a demon infestation problem? No? All right. Who knows? I don't know. No, I'm, I'm I have no idea. Characters in both. Say what? I'm pretty sure it has characters in both, judging by the... Um... Well, trailer. The, 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 nothing apart from you mean characters. The two pieces of artwork flying around the screen. <laughs> yeah, uh, I just. <laughs> but there's such a difference. Go ahead. I'm done. Sorry. Oh, I just think I, I understand how uh, uh, how uh, Pokemon and uh, what was the other thing? Pokemon times Konami thing. What was it? Koei Warriors. Pokemon Conquest. Yes, I can yes. understand how that works. You just throw Pokemon in. No, actually, no, I don't understand how that works. But this one just seems kind of bizarre. There's such disparate settings. Uh, post-apocalyptic cyberpunk yeah. and medieval fantasy. I mean, medieval high fantasy. I mean, Leighton and Professor... Leighton and Professor... Um, no, Professor Leighton and uh, Ace Attorney were hard enough to get together. I'm really worried about how they're going to get these two together. You know what's going to happen? It's going to be a rift in the universes. Yeah. And, it's, and then it's going to turn into Shadowrun. They're it's actually going to, be- going to emerge in the middle of um, Pacific Rim, the movie. And we're just going to have even more nerdy crap in that movie. Wait, is GLaDOS going to be the announcer? Yes. Okay. <laughs> and there's portals. And then Zelda shows up. And she says, what's up? I hope it's not a fighting game. Do you think that's it? It could be, couldn't it? No idea. That, no would, that would be the easiest to do, wouldn't it? I have no idea. I honestly have no clue what this is going to be. Hmm. Yeah. I, th- I think it will be strategy. It has to be, right? Yeah. Well, not... I mean, Shin Megami Tensei has no strategy games, does it? Um, Devil Survivor. Devil Survivor, okay. All right, then. Hmm. I should play some of those. Yeah, you should. I think Anna likes those a lot. <laughs> Speaking of crossovers, a miracle just happened. Project X Zone is getting localized. Yeah, so this is the this is what is it? Capcom and Namco and Capcom, someone else. Uh, Capcom, Namco, Se- Na- Namco, Sega. Yeah. So this was like Namco X Capcom, but now even more stuff and even more crazy. Well, yeah, because in a way, it's functionally a pseudo sequel to Namco X Capcom. It's also a functional pseudo sequel to the uh, Endless Frontier spin-offs for Super Robot Wars. Wait, it, it's what? a little confusing. Wait, 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 wait. It it ties into the Endless Frontier games? Yeah, because uh Project X Zone features uh Haken Browning and Kaguya Nanbu, the main uh uh male and female character from Endless Frontier. And it also features everyone's favorite German samurai, Zenga Zombolt from the mainline <laughs> Super Robot Wars as well. German samurai? Yeah, because when they translated Zenga Zombolt, uh, when they did the English ports for the two GBA games, they called him Sanger, S-A-N-G-E-R, but they put an umlaut above the A. Oh. 
So basically, people assume that he's German. Of course. But of course. <laughs> I'm samurai. But then again, German. Senga Zombolt is not exactly a Japanese name, so people nope. have always assumed that he's some kind of, like, you know... German samurai? Yeah, he's a German samurai. He came well, like over with this. the Dutch yeah. when they were trading, and he just stayed and learned the ways of the samurai. So Ocelot asked two questions. Who thought this would never happen? Uh, uh, everybody? Admit, I wasn't was that camp. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to say everybody. Yeah. And everybody. <laughs> so who's going to get the game, he then says. I think I will. Yeah. <laughs> so everybody most, except Manny. Most of us, I think, as well. <laughs> You're going to get it, right, John? Uh, if I had a 3DS. Remember, oh, I'm it's still, 3DS. I'm oh. Still on the fence about the whole import thing. I right. mean, Project X Zone coming out here is great, but if they still release a Japan-only games for the 3DS, I may still have to import it anyway. Hmm. I'll be honest, I had no idea this game existed. <laughs> so not <laughs> Manny. <laughs> All right. Sega just acquired Relic Entertainment, getting the almost-out-the-door title, Company of Heroes 2, with it. But who cares about Company of Heroes? More importantly, they now own the studio that will be making the next Dawn of War game in the Warhammer 40k universe. Are you guys fearful of the change, hopeful for the future, or really don't give a beaver's behind about games set in the 40k uh, universe? Oh, no, I actually... I made a comment about this to some friends of mine earlier this week when I heard about the sale, which is I've never, oh, I have not cared about the 40k universe for quite a long time, but I did enjoy the first round of Dawn of War games because they were good real-time strategy games. You know, mm-hmm. a Relic have always done very good real-time strategy games. And now what we have, we're in the situation where um, Sega has access to both Creative Assembly, the guys behind... Um, the Total War series of real-time strategy games, and Relic, who by, who in turn have uh, produced very good uh, 40K real-time strategies. I think a, a couple of us were wondering if uh, they would, could potentially combine the two and have a sort of combined Creative Assembly Relic doing effectively Total War 40K. Ooh. But, you know, honestly, it's not, there's nothing to be worried about. I mean, they're in pretty good hands. I What's it called? Creative Assembly is one of the few properties that's actually well. You know, they're making Sega some good money, and and they're, and, they're, and Sega's always been good at marketing their games and taking care of their properties. And you they know? leave so. Creative aside from making Creative Assembly put out like a new uh, Total War product every year, like an, either like an expansion or stand you know a standalone expansion All or a right. new game. Aside right. from that point, they they give them a lot of freedom okay. and they make, let them make good games, the games they want to make. I mean, look at look at the the fall of the samurai. That that's a labor of love from Creative Assembly. That's not like crapped out at all okay. for like a little expansion. Did you so, play that? I didn't get. That. I know. I know. Quinn did though. Oh, yeah. Right? I played. Fall, I played fall of the samurai. It was pretty good, right? Yeah, it was very good. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if that's a level of quality, we can. Ex- if if Sega gives Relic that same kind of freedom, fantastic. Because you know, you may not care. He may not. Uh, Ocelot may not care about Company of Heroes, but those are amazing strategy games too, and. The yeah, Dawn of no, War games are fantastic. Company, Company of Heroes is very good. I've, yeah, I've, Company of Heroes, excuse me. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, if, hey, let's hope it turns into a Creative Assembly situation. Well, as, as long as Sega markets it, you know. Well, I mean, it wasn't, uh, wasn't Football Manager 2013 something like one of the highest selling PC games last year? That's a Sega property. I think it was the, well, it was yeah. the highest, I think, yeah, in the UK. Yeah, because you have a lot of options for that sort of yeah, genre, I know. don't you? You know? Yeah, I know. I'm just saying. It was a Sega game and, and right. sold buckets. Well, you know, all right. I was going to say, you know what? Actually, I'm more curious about is um, 
now they're under Sega. Are they, is Sega just going to turn them into the like the the real time strategy house? Like that's sort of the, like they alternate between Creative Assembly one year and Relic the other year, the next year, and just create the RTS game, RTS game, RTS game. Or are they going to let them like dabble in stuff like Space Marine again? That's what I'd be more curious about. That's a good question. Because Space Marine was a decent like third person action game. It was pretty good. I mean, personally, I'd be more interested in a real time strategy game from them, at least initially. Yeah, I, I hear you absolutely. But you know, because I, like- I, 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 I highly enjoy real time strategy games from both producers, and with the trouble that Gaslight, uh, does, uh, Gas Gas- Power Games has been yeah. having recently, um, I'm thinking, you know, I'd like to see a, another real time strategy game from from my favorite producers, sort of thing. Yeah. Well, I think Honestly, they're my. Favorite, I, I think I think at least they're my favorite producers who are still around. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. I don't think Space Marine lit up the charts, so it's probably they're probably going to do another one of those for a long time anyway. But it wasn't a bad game; it just got it just got a little overlooked. Cool. Well, there you go. Cool. All right, number five. Any interest among the crew for God Eater Two? No. Yes. Oh, all right, Alex. Good. Yeah, I, I'm one of those who sort of liked God God Eater Burst, and that came out here, so I'm sort of looking forward to that one. <laughs> Or would hoping, you rather? It comes out. Or would you rather just play Monster Hunter 3G when it comes out? No, uh, I prefer the Goddess one because it actually sort of had a proper storyline as part oh, of it. All right. Sort of the main thing that drew me to it. I'm I'm leaning towards Monster Hunter Ultimate, um, which is 3G. So, would you rather poke your eyes out with a spoon instead of having to spend hours grinding ingredients for either game? Hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think the ingredient one wasn't too bad that I recall in Goddess Burst, but. Okay. Good. Yeah, that, that could be improved. Be. Okay. Hey, to be fair, getting ingredients is kind of the point of Monster Hunter. Yeah. <laughs> P.S. Don't poke your eyes out with a spoon. Thank you, Aslot. Next letter is from Anwar. He says, hey, guys, just checked out your, la- your last podcast. It's not our last. It's our latest. And wondering why people are giving that Final Fantasy game, um, he's talking about Final Fantasy ATB, the time of day. It's not even a real Final Fantasy game that I'm aware of, and it pro- has probably one of the most slimiest in-app purchase models in a game I've seen uh, and to pay 99 cents for a character you don't get to choose, in effect, it's just 99 cents sprites since there's no story related. Uh, talk about a piece of junk that is a waste of time. Instead, how about grabbing Wakan? It's currently free in the App Store. Wakan. W-H-A-K-A-N. It's a cool mix of RPG and card battle system that I feel have a pretty good in-app purchase model. No premium currency, just normal currency that you can get the normal way. Uh, it has a steep difficulty wall late in the game. Well, that's kind of how in-app purchase models work. But to its credit, uh, in-app purchase can't do anything about it as they don't offer crappy in-app purchase options. Oh, okay. So he's saying the steep difficulty wall doesn't isn't to drive you to in-app purchase. Good. Funny thing is, since I got it free, I'd have to purchase currency that I don't really need just to support them, as I feel like ripping them off if I don't give them anything. Well, that's... See, and I think that's usually the best sign. Like, if you feel like buying in-app purchase stuff in these free-to-play games just to support them, then I think they've done their job pretty well. And uh, they've developed, delivered probably a good pro- product. Recommends playing it on the iPad. Uh, Fluid Animations uh, says go check it out. W-H-A-K-A-N. Um, I'm going to check that out. I've been playing a lot of free-to-play type of um, these sorts of RPGs on the iPad and iPhone. So that's what Puzzle and Dragon and Book of Heroes kind of are. So I'll check that out. 
Uh, let's see. Anwar, thank you. Ohio RPG crew, says Patrick Malloy. My name is Patrick. I'm an Irish guy, but I live in Tokyo. Here in Japan, Western games like Assassin's Creed are gradually gaining a foothold. More and more titles from foreign publishers are getting popular. Pretty soon, I bet more Japanese developers will start to take design cues from these successful games. My question is, if you could pick one Japanese design feature or tendency for more Western devs to incorporate into their RPGs, which facet would you choose? Uh, highly, imp- high, highly improbable or and or impractical weapons. Hmm. Okay, <laughs> hey, those already exist in Fallout. It's called the the what's it called the, the fat man. boy, fat boy. Yeah, yeah, the fat boy, right? Yeah, yeah. but I'm talking about stuff like uh, like what Hubert carries around and tells the graces. Oh no, I don't want to see Geralt of Rivia carrying around that thing. <laughs> Geralt of what? No, from The Witcher. Geralt. Oh yes, uh, carrying around a double bladed thing yeah it transforms into a pair of pistols that thing's yes. awesome <laughs> that thing is so weird and awesome you, you and seem awesome to be, yes you seem to you be know, missing this out the awesome part yes you're right yes. i'll be honest off the top of my head i can't think of one um, one like, i just can't think of one i would want i would like uh, anime style storytelling oh no thank you yeah <laughs> i think i'll go for a slightly wider color palette Ooh, that's a good one so oh, the, yeah, kind of the no, artwork. Actually, I'd also think about that one. Fair enough. Hmm. Actually, I would also potentially go for widely impractical costumes because, well, it's fantasy. I'm not here for reality. So I was listening to a eight four play podcast, and they were interviewing developers who worked both for Western and Japanese studios. And one of the differences he points out is that Japanese studios tend to storyboard everything and then tell the programmers what they want their game to look like, um, but through storyboards, or at least they used to. And so I was thinking. You know, I would that might be a cool uh, design style to try with Western games rather than starting with the tools and seeing what you can make. Could you imagine storyboarding Skyrim? Yeah. <laughs> All right, and then you're walking through the forest and a wolf jumps out. Well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> you, know, you know, I guess I would like to see some more linear takes by Western developers, I guess is what I'm mm. saying. You know, I, I think they both do such unique things and they satisfy such different audiences with different needs. Like, why, why merge the two? That's why he was just saying one thing. I know. I know. Just, so, you feel like so unique. Like, well, why even bother? Uh, because you got to evolve. You got to change. I don't know. <laughs> yes, Ross Steele in the chat room points out. Basically, I want stories that don't make any sense. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I want stories that you need to download a separate encyclopedia application onto your PS3 and then read through all the entries to understand. <laughs> Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> Say what? Like Halo Four. Halo Four does that too. Oh. The entire story is trapped in these terminals that you have to find that's hidden object, and then you can't even watch those terminals in the game. You have to load up Halo Waypoint to watch them. Oh, that's lame. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Wow, so Halo 4 then is a developed by a Western studio taking a design cue from a Japanese studio famed for its extremely bizarre, obtrusive plots. Progress. Progress, yes. <laughs> Yeah, but you're right about the color palette. I'm thinking of, like, what's the last brightly colored Western RPG I played? Well, Skyrim was bright, right? No, uh, well, no, it was white. <laughs> it's not bright. There's a difference. Skyrim, Skyrim was dull. That was the problem. Like, it was okay. dull pa- color palette because of because of the fact it was set in some Norway analog where everything was either brown or white. It was dirt and snow. What about The yeah, Witcher 2? That was snow. lush. There was lots of green. Yes. I haven't gone okay. around to playing Witcher yet. Well, even the way... 
Hmm, I'll have to play The Witcher 2 before I can discuss it. But like even the way Japan handles like kind of earthy based games, look at Final Fantasy 11 is a very earth based palette. Uh-huh. And I think they handle a little bit better than Skyrim. I think that's because I think that's because the character designs in 11 are quite colorful. Like the, oh, the armor designs it. and stuff. Okay. Like the, yeah. I think you're right that the setting itself is actually a bit brownie. Yeah. Sort of thing. But no. the, the, colorful armor kind of offsets it okay alex made a very good point that it's hard to argue with <laughs> it's just very true yep all right so last thing is more of a plug than a letter he says hello chris i have a request i want you to plug my games demo this is right this, that's right the legendary zoltan has a game and he wants you to know it's called the hedge h-e-g-g or is that heg i don't know how to pronounce that developer the legendary zoltan Genre, adventure slash puzzle. Demo release date, January 30th, so it's not out yet. Engine, RPG Maker VX Ace. Where to download? ZoltanMetal.com. Z-O-L-T-A-N Metal.com. M-E-T-A-L. 32 puzzles ranging from easy to evil. Original heavy metal soundtrack by Zoltan and overclocked remixers. No moe. Bountiful flavor text and humor. Three endings. In-game trophies that won't suck. They won't, <laughs> they won't be like, kill the hardest boss in the game with a level one party without taking any damage and only using weak attacks in less than 10 minutes, like in Star Ocean 3. The Not hedge, far from the truth. The Hedge's trophies will be much better than that. <laughs> so, all right, there you go. Zoltan's got his plug. ZoltanMetal.com. Look for it on the 30th of January. What else is coming out the 30th of January? Something important. Oh, I can't remember I now. think February's coming out then. February's coming out. <laughs> I, know that, I know that the... Uh, no, PC man, it got a two-day delay. Oh, a two-day delay? My bad. <laughs> I know that uh, the PC version of uh, Sonic All-Stars Racing Transformed, which is apparently very good. I don't think that's the one oh. I was thinking of, but let's go with that for now. January 30th or 31st or the something. 30th, all right. Man, Alex just did a number in my head. I'm sitting here thinking about colorful Western RPGs, and the only one I can think of is Bastion. Yeah, nice. Oh, yeah, that's no, Bastion is colorful. They did it. That, that uh, works for them. Rainbow Moon. You got Rainbow Moon. Rainbow Moon. If only the rest of the game was as good as its palette. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Diablo 3 has rainbows. Does that count? Yes, it does. <laughs> Diablo 3. <laughs> the rainbow game. All right, guys. Let's hit the news. It's time for news. But first, if you'd like to send us feedback and be part of that long-running segment that we have, and I really liked how long that was today, give us more good feedback like that. Podcast at rpgamer.com. Or uh, 608-729-4098 is our voicemail. Just email us your feedback, send us a voicemail, or email us an MP3 attachment. We'll play it right here on the show. Thank you very much. All right, so for the news, first off, Tom Hewlett, the person who produced Silent Hill um, Book of Memories, has left Konami, and he's going to work for the Way Forward Technologies. They are the people who've made Silent Hill Book of Memories, Shantae, Mighty Switch Force, Contra 4, a developer I really like. Though I haven't tried Silent Hill Book of Memories. I've liked their other stuff. So, wait, but, didn't he work with... Wait, he, what did he do with Konami on Book of Memories? He was the producer. Okay. So, so now he's he gonna, coordinated they, the development, I guess. He's been the producer yeah. for the Silent Hill series for quite a number of years. Yeah. So now he's going a little bit more production side? Yep. All right. Uh, well, we don't know what he's going to do there, but I assume... Yeah, uh, hang on. I have his new title. Uh, he sent me an email. Yeah, Anna's friends with him. So she's known about this for a while, but it hasn't been public. Yeah, I mean, here is actually the interesting thing is I met Tom way back in the day because the only petition RP Gamer has ever done was for his game Mithri to get a publisher. 
Oh, we did a petition, right. Yes. This was like the only petition that RP Gamers ever done. It was like May of 2000 or something like that. And they did end up getting a publisher. It, the game moved from Game Boy Color to Game Boy Advance. And then he got like a real job. So he just had to kill off. Um, you know, that that was a game that he never really finished although the interesting thing is is playing book of memories i can see some of the inspirations that were from mithri nice so let me find double m all right so um something about wayforward technologies since i really like this yeah he's a director there oh okay he'll be a director so that is closer to the development i think all right so I like WayForward Deve- Technologies for one reason. Um, Jake Kaufman, who works there, because he's also known as Vert, and he's one of my favorite chiptune remixers on OC Remix, and, and just I've been following his work for years, and he does wonderful soundtracks. So that's all. I'm just gushing about that. So anyway, completely unrelated. All right, let's move on. Kingdom Hearts 1.5 might be coming out in the U.S., as we know, because Jesse McCartney, the voice actor of Roxas, has uh, implied that he started working on voice work for it. So, bum, bum, bum. Kingdom Hearts 1.5. Does anyone care? So, for Is people that his to... career fizzled out? Who? Jesse McCartney. I have no idea what he's done other than Roxas. Yeah, because I feel like the reason why he was cast was because he was a big name at the time. I, I didn't know what he was in. Was he some sort of child actor at the time? I think he was a child singer. Okay. Like yeah, small. I have no idea. It was like a young Justin Bieber. Well, he's, he got kingdom hearted, I guess. Ugh, once you get typecast. All right, so it was what? The so 1.5 contains Kingdom Hearts Final Mix, which is the even better than our version of Kingdom Hearts version of Kingdom Hearts 1. Um, kingdom Hearts Re Chain of Memory, which we did get here. That's the PS2 release of the GBA game. That's a card game. And then movies from Kingdom Hearts 358 over two days. So, I don't know. At least they're not subjecting you to the game. I guess. (laughs) Is that the best way to experience it? I would say that's you just want the movies from Rechain of Memories as well. I hated that game. Um, So, uh, Final Mix is cool. And, uh, yeah. So, it sounds like we'll get it. Uh, No official announcement yet. So, kind of a leak. And there's some box art from the Japanese version where Sora is sitting on a throne of Keyblades that looks like, you know, the Game of Thrones throne. It's kind of weird. Except his crown's a little bit more dainty. Yeah. <laughs> it, it does have some cushioning on it, so it's not quite the same. So Persona 4 Golden has a release date in Europe. Oh, wow. About goddamn time. <laughs> February 22nd, 2013, with the digital release arriving um, on the 20th. And NIS America is going to be publishing it on behalf of Atlas in Europe. So figure you guys that one out. You <laughs> still don't have Arena, uh, do you? Nope. Uh, Wow. They announced that they were getting close to a point where they could announce a release date. <laughs> wow, that's pretty bad. Yeah, maybe, maybe NIS America will publish that in Europe as well. What is going on? Why is NIS America having to publish stuff in for Atlas in Europe? I don't understand. Because Atlas doesn't exist. <laughs> what about Rising Star Games? Why can't they do it? Oh, well, I guess I guess they uh, figured it would get them more money. So, what is Rising more. Star Games having some issues over there? Well, no, I think I just think Nisa probably paid out this more money than Rising Star would. Okay, all right. So I think they usually sort of negotiate game by game. Does Nisa re- release a lot of stuff in Europe? 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Uh, not 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 oh, no, not not absolutely everything. Um, okay. I seem to remember there are a couple of um, NIS get. I think there was at least one that came here at um, that was published in Europe by Square Enix actually. Oh, weird. Weird, weird, weird. Yeah, that was weird. It might have even been the original, like the, the original PS2 release of Disgaea. Jeez. Oh, like, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. did the original PS2 release of Persona 4. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, that was it. Yeah. Yeah, no, good. The original, because the original Disgaea in Europe was handled by Koei. Mm-hmm. That was weird. <laughs> that is weird. You know what else is weird? Actually, this isn't so weird. We kind of expected it. Dragon's Dogma Dark Arisen is coming. It is an expansion for Dragon's Dogma, and it's going to include the original game. Um, we've not, it's been announced that it's going to be April 23rd in North America, April 26th in Europe, and it'll be, we think it'll be 40 bucks in North America. Uh, it's an expansion to the original Dragon's Dogma, and so anyone who played the original will be able to export their characters and save data into the new game. Um, da, 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 da. But it also functions as a standalone game, and anyone who hasn't played Dragon's Dogma can play through the entire original game with just Dark Origin and take advantage of the new features. Uh, and so, if you import your characters, you get a bunch of bonus items, and to kind of make up for the fact that you're paying a lot of yeah. money for an expansion. I think, yeah, <laughs> I think one of the things you get is infinite waystones. Oh, okay, that's which nice. Which is good because they were annoying, aren't you, Sam? The expansion uh, adds that, new yeah, content. I, all right. So I think I saw a price of about 20 quid in Europe, but I'm not sure how accurate that was. But that's a pretty decent price for it. So this is, I'm waiting for this, because I've been wanting to get into Dragon's Dogma, and so I will wait for this. So that's cool. Yay, April. All right, this big news this week was Nintendo. They had a Nintendo Direct, and they announced a ton of stuff for Wii U and, and 3DS. So we already touched on one of them. Shin Megami Tensei Crossfire Emblem is one of the big announcements. Um, they threw that at the end of the stream. It was like, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> and then they also announced some Zelda stuff. A, they are working on a Legend of Zelda title on the Wii U, but they have no footage of it. But th- while they were doing some of the art concept work for it, they said, hey, you know what would look cool? An HD version of Wind Waker. So we're going to make that too. And they did show some of that. It's a remake of the Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker. It's going to have revamped cel-shaded graphics, Miiverse integrated, Wii U gamepad support, and hopefully some other improvements to make the game more fun to play. I think people are hoping they fix some of the sailing sections that got really boring. I, I, I don't think it was the sailing specifically that was the problem. It was that little bit in the plot where it comes to a grinding halt when you uh, have to go searching around for those bloody charts that show you where the Triforce is buried. Mm, okay. That, yeah. that, that, that little bit of the game is really annoying. I mean, I've seen... It slows down Legend of Zelda Wind Waker speedruns that that, get, that part of the game is so obnoxious. <laughs> Oh and I've seen the game finished in less than like six hours, and they still grind to a halt on that. Jeez, I remember it's because they removed some dungeons that should have been there, right? Yeah, I think they were originally planning like as many of the, as many elemental dungeons as the original have, and then only finished two. What do you mean the, the win- original? Uh, sorry, Ocarina of Time. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and then I guess they just sort of finished- filled that gap with uh, the the hunt. Yeah, lots of sailing and having to find charts, then getting enough rupees to decode so them. Yeah, hopefully what they'll do is replace that with dungeons, right? That would be nice. Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure if they'll build that much into it. It okay. sounds like a kind of fairly flat. It sounds like a graphics only sort of thing. Okay. Oh, oh yeah. The one, the one problem with the sailing was that um, the sailing was fun in and of itself. The only problem is if you want to change directions, you have to stop. Play the song, pick your wind direction, and go that way. And then if you change your mind and want to move again, stop. Play the wind song, 
they move direction. Like they could speak if that if you can make the wind, you know, conducting the wind for like an instantaneous thing, that would speed up sailing Im- like immensely. If you can just like push a button and go this way, I want the wind to go this way. Push a button, I want the wind to go this way. Like that little thing, taking out those like little those like ten to twenty seconds every single time you want to move directions would save mm-hmm. a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, one other announcement that came out of this thing for RPG fans. Monolith Soft is releasing a Wii U game, and it's currently known as X, and that's all they showed. So it might Project be, X. It, they showed some footage. It's somewhere between Xenoblade and Monster Hunter, and with, oh, with mechs, giant mechs, with yes. giant mechs. So we don't really know what's going on. And they transformed them into like what giant, like what a giant jet or a motorcycle that they transformed into. Yeah, there's you know a motorcycle like, at some point. It looks like that Kickstarter game John was talking about earlier. Was Strikes tra- at Zero. Yeah. <laughs> With the, the old size of Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Wait, okay, two things. Are, are, are any of these coming out this year? Um, no idea. Wind Waker is, though, right? Uh, Wind maybe? Waker, yeah. yeah, I think so. What does Sheem say? But, I hope so. But Project X is not this year. Hmm. I'm, I'm asking. I don't know. Um, possibly. I think it'll be sort of late this year, if anything, I think. But. It's unknown oh. at this point. <sighs> cool. Okay, so let's see. Just got some breaking news from one of our chat room people. Um, Rain Slick Precipice of Darkness 4 has some details that just came out. And I'm really sad that they didn't come to us first to announce these things, but, you know, whatever. Rain Slick 4 <sighs> will be less linear to the third game. Um, and it's going to come out in spring for five bucks on PC and the Xbox Indie Game Channel for 400 Microsoft points. Uh, let's see. They've got some some announcements for what they're going to work on after Rain Slick 4, a sci-fi slash spy RPG that involves a distant future setting, female protagonist, on-map battles, more animated sprites, and a cool level-up system after Rain Slick 4 is done. Uh, so there you go. Less linear Rain Slick... And more optional areas, more secrets, five bucks. Rain's look four. There you go. Yes? No? No one cares. So stoked for this game. Okay, good. <laughs> and it's going to be at PAX East. Yay, PAX East. Yay! Alrighty. The Elder Scrolls Online beta signups have gone live. So if you want to get into the Elder Scrolls Online, you can go and sign up for the beta. That's at elderscrollsonline.com. Slash en and Anna, can you take care of that? Yep. Okay. <laughs> um, you can sign up for the beta, and I'm going to do that right now. Do, 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 do. This is your currently closed beta chance selection chance rating. Oh, that's cool. They've got a if you, as you fill out the optional areas, they increase your chances, and they got a meter that shows your chances of getting into the beta. So <laughs> that's kind of cool. Do, 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 do. All right, so I'll do that later. All right, so Elder Scrolls Online Beta, you want to do that, get into it. Um, Manny? No, not Manny. Who do, who, who's into the Elder, uh, Etrian Odyssey games? Anybody? Michael. Michael. Michael He's Tidwell. the only one, right? All right, well, there's going to be a demo for Etrian Odyssey 4. And so if you'd like to be part of that demo, keep your eyes for it on the Nintendo eShop on the 3DS, you know, the one that John doesn't own, on February 7th. And uh, it'll have the beginning part of the game with almost all of its features fully intact, including a region to explore with an airship. 
an old forest mine mini dungeon and part of the first main dungeon. And you get to carry over your progress into the main game. So, demo's out in the 7th, game's out in the 26th. <laughs> no one on the podcast cares. All right. <laughs> Project Tech Zone localization we already talked about. Uh, let's see. PlayStation Web Store. So now you can buy stuff on the PlayStation Store on in your browser. Well, finally. Like this this oh, is like this is yet. full circle. They used to have that. <laughs> then they got rid of it. And now they got it again. <laughs> Does it mean I can redeem yeah. codes now that I get from the internet on there? I hope so. Let's see. I'm going to sign in and see if I can. Okay, so I don't know where you got this. I think, was it last month? Oh, you did? Came out in, yeah, I think it's been out in Europe for a bit, I think. Mm. Loading. Signing in. So, okay, I, I'm, I'm on the store. Um... There's store-like things. Create an account, account management. Can I redeem codes? Redeem codes. Yep, you can read awesome. it right here. Finally. Yay. That is very nice. <laughs> Great. Now I can finally take those codes that people post on Twitter. And do something with them. Mm-hmm. They've been needing that. And look at the store interface is actually usable on the web. <laughs> Unlike on the PS3 where it's insane and makes no darn sense. Ugh. All right, so you can get that at store.sonyentertainmentnetwork.com if you want to log into the store. It's also live in Brazil, and I know we have listeners in Brazil because RP Gamer has lots of traffic in Brazil. I don't know what's up with that, but thanks for listening. All right, the Elder Scrolls Online beta we talked about, and now I've lost my place in my notes. This is where everyone's supposed to do some improv and fill the fill the void. So... Yeah, okay, thanks. Well said, well said. <laughs> real, 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 real effective there, Manny. I right, concur. Let's talk about Monster Hunter 3. Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate is getting a 3DS case, and you can pre-order it now. Wait, a case? A case. What the? It's a two-piece case? aluminum case. It works with the Circle Pad Pro by simply removing the bottom piece. <laughs> okay. Uh, Laser simply, by taking off half of it. <laughs> yeah. Which, by the way, keep in mind that Monster Hunter um, 3 Ultimate supports the Circle Pad Pro, so you might actually want to use that. Uh, it has a laser print of the monster Brachidios on it, and lined with felt to better protect your 3DS. comes with two, styli- two stylus, which I think should be two styli, shouldn't it? Well, yeah. whatever. And their little case, it's blue, it's got a print of the monster on it, and it'll cover your 3DS. Yeah, I was um, just thinking, aren't all cases compatible with the Circle Band Pro, if you remove it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, if you take the case off, it's compatible with the Circle Pad Pro. <laughs> Simply remove off. half of it. <laughs> it fits right in. You can go find that on the Capcom store on their webpage. All right, here's some big news that people actually care about. Earthbound is coming to the virtual console. Breaking all the, the arguments of crazy people like the Beatles will never allow it and all this other stuff. It's coming to the virtual console in Japan in March. <laughs> no announcement of it coming to the Virtual Console in the U.S. Uh, it'll be part of... Um, one of the other things they announced during the Wii U Nintendo Direct this week was that they were going to release a bunch of old games for $0.30 cents a piece and it'd give you a chance to try these older NES and Super NES titles. Um, the first one in the U.S. is Balloon Fight. I don't know what it is in Japan. But this will be one of the titles in Japan. It's going to come out for 30 yen and it'll be Mother 2, a.k.a. Earthbound. And no idea if it's coming to the U.S., but this this is a good sign. So if there were legal problems preventing them from redistributing the game, that means they've overcome them, at least in Japan, and that's progress. So 
Hopefully that means more Earthbound stuff for us. I hope, but we'll see. I'm a big Earthbound fan. I don't know if anyone else on the podcast is, but no one else is. Okay, I'm alone. Before my time. Before your time. Oh, okay. That's fine. So we got a story here that the Dragon Age 2 will be using a different engine, or Dragon Age, yeah, Dragon Age 2 will be using... Ah, that's terrible. I can't say this. Dragon Age 3 will be using a different engine than Dragon Age 2 and 1. Yeah, the Frostbite engine. It seems like everything is going to be using next gen for EA. Yeah. So it's going Wait, from Wait, is it a, Frostbite 2? The Frostbite 2 engine? It just says Frostbite. Um, so if oh, you, yeah, if Frostbite 2. It does Frostbite. say Frostbite 2. Sorry. Yeah, if you're not familiar with Frostbite 2, think uh, Battlefield 3. Yeah. So that, it's a good, pretty engine, but... um, Hmm. It is. Battlefield 3 looks amazing. Do um, you have misgivings? No, I, it's just somebody just linked me to this big Amano artwork book for Final Fantasy on Amazon. It's called The Sky, The Art of Final Fantasy. Yeah, uh, can I have yeah. a little, can I have a quickie rant about that one? Yeah, go for it. Uh, basically, I had, a, I had a pre-order down for the for this the entire box set um, sometime last year. I put the pre-order down, I think, as soon as I heard about it, and this is fairly early on. Yeah. Um. I, as it got closer to December, which was uh, last year, which was when the release date was, um, basically, um, Amazon emailed me saying they were having some uh, supplier difficulties, and then eventually, like, unceremoniously cancelled my order a few days later. But now it's and back. Then, and then the same item then appeared in the, in on the same page as the original art book at uh, I think the original one cost uh, I put the pre order down for like a hundred dollars. Uh, the sellers who were then selling it put them up on uh, uh, put them back up for seven hundred. Oh really? Uh, yeah. So this 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 new run looks to be you know actually stay cheap and actually remain in stock. Yeah, this one is list price of ninety bucks and uh, actual price of fifty eight bucks on Amazon. So much better. Yeah, I, I've I've already put a pre-order down for it. So what's so special about yeah, this I collection? That as well. This is the three volume Amano art collection of Final Fantasy artwork. So I don't know what the three volumes are different based on, but it's a lot of stuff. So I think it's uh, uh, different eras, maybe, or different games. Yeah, I think the, f- the first book's like. Oh, uh, it's, one to three, and then yeah, it's one to three, four to six, four to six, and then the last one is seven to ten for the Final Fantasies. Okay, but this is just the normal version, not the collection version edition, because I remember that one had like some extra stuff, right? Yeah, this is just the books. Yeah, but that that one had like an extremely limited run, and barely anyone got it. I think. Oh, okay. that's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can find I mean, that on Amazon tried, by searching but... for "The Sky: The Art of Final Fantasy Slipcased Edition," and. Pick it up for fifty-eight bucks. Yeah, I know it's also on the UK one as well because I pre-ordered it there. Oh, I've pre-ordered it on the American one. <laughs> yeah. Oops, it's, it's probably cheaper from America, but <laughs> I don't mind waiting for it. So, wait, what do you mean? Drizzle's talking about all of this work he did for Vampire Hunter D. Oh, he also did work for Vampire Hunter D. Yeah, I think that's what other is stuff. that in here? That's not in here, is it? No, I'm not but, sure. No, it's just Final Fantasy. It's just Final Fantasy. Okay. You might want another Romano collection for really? all that stuff. Oh, yeah, okay. well, they, they had some great work. Like his Tale of Genji stuff was yeah. fantastic. Okay. Cool. 
All right, so back to Dragon Age. Dragon Age 3 is going to be using a different engine than 1 and 2 did, which makes me a little sad because I like engines designed for RPGs to be used for RPGs, but it's rather than ones designed for first-person shooters, but I guess it doesn't matter because it well, worked in Mass Effect. Frostbite is basic, but come on. Well, Frostbite is just it's EA's just engine tools. at this point. Yeah, that's just, they're just going to use it, and they're saying they were really disappointed with how the art came out in Dragon Age 2. Well, everybody else was disappointed with how the game came out, so that's kind of an interesting thing to say. Uh, no, but I mean the five pieces of art they put in the game, we were yeah. disappointed with them. They, yeah, that's what they they said they were slightly disappointed with it, so they're going to use a new engine for three. Okay, fine. Just make the game good, guys. All right. Guild Wars 2 is having a new event. Uh, this is something they're going to keep doing forever and ever. Uh, this is the next one. It kicks off in two days, January 28th. It's called Flame and Frost Prelude. It's a prologue setting up more content that's going to be coming out soon. And it's going to be a multi-narrative storyline and have new features coming in to Guild Wars 2 alongside of it. So for the week of January 28th to February 4th, regular paid tournaments um, will change from three-round tournaments of eight teams to single-round tournaments of two teams. And the t- Okay, so that's if you're into tournaments, there's good for you. Uh, there'll be new achievement system and achievement laurels um, that they announced earlier this month. There'll be new rounds of achievements daily and special rewards for completing them. Uh, and the laurels that you get for achievements can be used to purchase gear and other goods, including five newly introduced utility infusion upgrade components, whatever that means, and three new high-level ascendant am- amulets. How about some completely inscrutable details for you there i don't know what any of those things mean and i play the game all right it also bring guesting this is the this is the big feature where players can visit from other servers into your guild wars 2 server so that's uh, part of that same update and new items are going to be in the M game store and blah 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 guild wars 2 stuff uh january 28th that's the day to go check out the patch and the the new features and the new storylines and then finally we have some news about Devil Summoner Soul Hackers. This is the what? This is the old Saturn game. Or was it Sega CD game that they're remaking, right? And uh, we know it's going to come with a bonus CD filled with arranged music from the game now. And you should uh, grab a launch copy in order to get this. So it's going to be limited copies, kind of like how Atlas likes to do their bonus soundtrack CDs. Uh, so go pick up or pre-order your first run if you want that soundtrack CD. Um, I don't think it's a full CD. It's just a bonus CD. I don't think it's the full soundtrack. But uh, there you go. Yeah, it's a little sad. Oh, I guess it's a Saturn title. My apologies. Not a uh, not a Sega CD title. So there you go. Uh, coming out April 16th. And that's all the news, folks. Did I miss anything? Hey. Oh, I'm so sleepy. I know. This is a long one. All right. Thanks, everybody, for your feedback. Thanks for sticking with us through the end of the show and for listening to all that news. Um which I, I hope you enjoy. That's why you download the show, right? So uh, if you'd like to contribute to the show, there's a number of things you can do. One, leave us a review on iTunes. That helps us out immensely. Two, send us feedback. Podcast at rpgamer.com. Your feedback becomes content for the show. So we need it. So we have something to talk about. Um, also, the Nino Kuni disaster. I didn't find that. All right. I forgot that. So there's one other story that happened this week. And this happened to me personally. So Namco Bandai had um, an issue with their distribution of Nino Kuni, the other world. Uh, I don't know if you guys heard about this. I think everybody heard about it. <laughs> Some reason they canceled a bunch of orders that people had uh, of pre-orders. And mine was canceled because uh, my billing information had changed between when I made it and okay. and when I did it. So Here's- unfortunately, at the same time of telling me, that my bit, my order was canceled. They also told me it's also sold out, so you're screwed. <laughs> so here's how this all went down. 
when Digital River reviews their orders, which they did um, Monday, so they could ship out on Tuesday, they attempt to bill everybody. And anybody whose payment doesn't go through, which is credit card information, um, which is a debit or a PayPal, um, so any of those three, they cancel them. And in fact, they may have the week before attempted to bill people and anybody who didn't pass the pre-off, their orders were canceled. And that's how they got the second set of items. So it was like, yay, it's a week before the game's coming out. We have, you know, 250 additional copies to sell. The chances are really, really good that those were actually orders that DR was planning on canceling and hadn't told anybody. And they just showed up in the system as available. As and available. They weren't, and they actually weren't. So that's one theory. We don't know that for sure. Um, now, here's how the payments with Digital River works. Um, when you go to place your order, a pre-authorization is placed. On a credit card, chances are good you will never see it. But if you paid with a debit card or PayPal, the money actually comes out of your account and is placed back into it. So a lot of people may or may not notice the fact that, that it was put back in. So then you end up getting <coughs> sorry, uh, a, a portion of people that believe their payment has come out. So they don't leave the money in their account, whether it's PayPal or their, their checking account. And then when Digital River goes to actually pull it out the day they ship it, no funds there, order canceled. And Digital River doesn't tell people when their order's canceled. Yeah, until, well, it told me at the end it was canceled. Right, it told you two days later that it was canceled. Yeah. And so they didn't give me a chance to update my billing info or anything, and they had oversold the game either because they had, like we said, sold the copies that had been failed for billing authorization, or just because they oversold the game <laughs> for whatever reason. And then they emailed all the people, everyone got really upset, and then Namco and Digital River had to start doing PR stuff to take care of things. So here's what ultimately is going on. If you were one of the first people to pre-order it, you got a special email that said, okay, dudes, we're sorry. And this may have been helped if you also emailed customer service. I'm not sure yet because I did that as well. Um, you can find that on the Namco store website and it doesn't really matter um, at this point, I don't think. But if you were one of the first people to pre-order, you call in, you read them the text of the email they sent you that says this um, and you have to read it verbatim. And if you read them the right email, they will let you get a copy of the game because they, somehow they have extra copies just for those that small group of people who are one of the first people to pre-order, like I was, because I did it in June 30th of 2012 or something like that. If you aren't one of the first people who pre-ordered and you got canceled, they are going to give you a free copy of the 400-page Nino Kuni guide as an apology, as well as a $20 voucher for the online store. However, that $20... With one caveat. That twenty dollar voucher may not be used to purchase Nino Kuni. <laughs> of course, <laughs> um, even the regular version. I don't know why. So you're going to get a hardbound copy of the guide and a twenty dollar voucher, and the the guide will come with a code to unlock a gold Hurley familiar in the game. So that's something. And so they'll be. You should be checking your email and your spam filters to find the emails where they talk about this. And Digital River will give you a number to call. Um, let's see. Do we have the Digital River number handy to tell yeah, people? Yeah, hang on. It's on my Twitter. Oh, I retweeted the crap out of it. and So did everybody else. All right. Well, she's looking for that. Uh, 
did you hear about this other fiasco, the the eBay thing with the Nino Kuni collector's edition? Yeah, so, yeah, and I mean, this is this is the problem is on top of this is injury on top of insult is that Digital River actually doesn't cap any individual person. No, 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 no. This was the this was from the Nino Kickstarter. This was Nino starters where they got their copies, Anna. Okay. So this is they they did it fully by the rules of Nino starter or whatever that was. That's fine. But I'm telling you that this is not the only situation because Digital River does not put a cap on the number of copies that an individual can order. So, yeah, that one's crazy because it's over 200. But if you look at eBay, there are actually sellers that have sold like 50. Well, maybe we should like give the listeners a little bit of a background on the story. Well, at the same time that people are getting their orders canceled, an eBay seller showed up and had 200 copies available at very highly raised prices of the Nino Kuni Witches Edition. And so people were really upset that somebody got 200 copies to sell when other people couldn't even get their one copy um, sent to them. Like, wasn't the markup like double the price? I never looked at the sales, but I believe so. Wow. Okay. Yep. Fun stuff this week. Did you find the number, Anna? Yes, I did. What is it? It is 952-392-2057. Now, Digital River is not open on Sundays or Mondays, and they made on into the phone on Saturdays. So, there you go. That's the number. And I uh, hope you... I wish you luck with, with resolving your issues. It was fun. They actually made me give them my account password for the Namco Bandai store over the phone. You know that thing where they say never, you know, we will never ask for your password over the phone? Apparently that's not the case with Digital River. They will ask for your password over the phone. So, you know, that's nice. You have to trust that someone's not scamming you. Love it. So do you ever think you'll do business with Digital River again? Oh, unfortunately, I I mean, it's sadly they are entrenched in the video game industry for some terribly ununderstandable reason. So I'm sure it'll come up where I need to do it again. Because I wanted Nino Kuni, Wrath of White Rich, so... I'm just going to make sure I update my credit card on my order. <laughs> Man. I would rather not do business with Digital River, that's for sure. And I will tell any publisher I see in any chance that I get the capacity to, which is probably none at all, <laughs> to avoid them if you can. Because they are a terrible company. All right. So that's, uh, that's it. Let's wrap up the show. Thank you, everybody, for watching this week. We're going to be back next week with another show, 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern. You can watch the show here live at rpgamer.com slash live. Um, or on our twitch.tv channel, twitch.tv slash rpgamer. Um, thanks for your support. Thanks for your feedback. Podcast at rpgamer.com, 608-729-4098. The numbers and the way to contact us. Rate us on iTunes. And uh, is uh, oh check out our message boards at board.rpgamer.com. Go to the latest update section. You'll find a thread for the show in there. I think that's everything, right? All right, that's everything. Let's go. That's everything. That you can tell when the cast yeah, is tired. They're like, oh, let's get out of here, please. Let's go. God, is he still talking? He's still talking. All right, uh, so we're going to wrap up. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye. 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 Bye.